Hey, everybody. Just a quick note. This is our very first two-part episode. Yeah, so when we get to the end of the podcast today and we're not done talking about the show, don't worry. We will finish it in a second episode. Make sure you tune in again next week. Hi, this is Chelsea. And this is Andrew. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast where we look back at very special episodes of television from the past to see what they have to teach us today. Uh, we're very excited today because we are joined by our very special guest, Mary Chifo, who is one of my dear friends from years now, for years now, um, and an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. She's currently plays Laurel on Star Trek Discovery. Amazing. We're very excited to have her here to talk about a show that meant a lot to her. When she was a kid. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very, very thrilled to be here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so we, we are not going another step further before I get something to eat here. Oh, please. Yes. So well, Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> this is precisely um, why I wanted to yeah. do the podcast. <laughs> okay, Food? Yeah. I'm sold. So today we have Trader Joe's Sea Salt Brownie Petites, mm. um, a simple treat with a subtle twist, rich Belgian chocolate brownie sprinkled with sea salt. So we... Mm. We're going to dig into these and report back. Petite is, of course, French for I'll eat more than one of those. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, very good. Well, it's 2019. Like, don't even approach me with a dessert that doesn't have sea salt on it at this point. <laughs> like, I, I need to taste salt on all of my sweets now. Yeah. Uh, and these That's are fair. really good. It's really valid. Yeah. I feel like I'm wasting time now if I'm not <laughs> eating salt. I will say that these really do have that that kick at the end. Like, you mm-hmm. really do. It's not kind of vaguely sea salt. It's like, here no. it is. Yeah, it's like chocolate, sea salt, boom, tiny bite, eat 40 of them. Yep. It's great. It's like I'm consuming them in the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Or while crying on your couch. Both. (laughs) In the middle of the ocean. Uh, Yeah, and I like the fact that they're they're small, so you get that sort of like every edge is an edge piece edge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could have said that better. No, we get it, though. Yeah, yeah. We get it. Awesome. So let's talk about goddamn episode television. Okay. (laughs) Actually, we're going to talk about goddamn TV movie. Goddamn. Mary, you were the one who wanted to do this show and this TV movie of this show. So why don't you tell us what what the series is and what it meant to you when you were a kid? All right. We're looking at Kim Possible's So the Drama, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is the awesome Disney Channel original movie. That kind of culminated a lot of the Kim Possible series. Ultimately, it was going to be kind of the full finale of the show. And they ended up reviving it for for one more, I think, one more season after that. But I didn't watch much TV. I went to a Waldorf school, an elementary school, and we weren't supposed to watch any TV. What? Yes. Mm. And my parents were pretty good about that. We would watch a movie on the weekend sometimes. um, But during the week, I definitely was not allowed to watch any, no screen time at all. So around, I think it was about fourth grade. I started watching a little bit of Disney Channel, Uh-oh. and yeah, on the I know. Sly. 
sly. On the sly. <laughs> <laughs> that and my friend Eve and I would go over to her grandma's and watch TV Land on Fridays. Uh-huh. Good lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bewitched. All that stuff. <laughs> yes. Wow. So you yeah. really hit yeah. it hard with the <laughs> yeah. old time yes, TV yeah. and Disney. Yeah, and Gracious. and British comedies from the seventies. Right, well, now you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so Kim Possible, I will say, is probably the most kind of commercial thing that I really fell in love with, and I know we'll dive more into it, but certainly, you know, I was always seeking strong female characters and <laughs> grasping for them wherever yeah. I could find them <laughs> growing up. Oh, TV Land's yeah. probably not going to yeah, offer yeah, that, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely very, mm-hmm. very different yeah. from, from <laughs> Bewitched. Um, but uh, Kim Possible, so from like fourth grade onwards, and then this came out uh, when I was in sixth grade, mm-hmm. and it made, it really, I don't know what it was about it, I just, it was like a game changer for me and yeah. like how I defined like relationships and romance wow. and this like specific TV this, movie. Yeah. This yes. was just it everything. Was, oh it my just gosh, changed yes. me. And yeah. And when, yeah. you know, when Chelsea reached out and I was thinking about a lot of different things and because I had such an eclectic mix of shows that I was watching, I was like, well, this is the one that I really feel is that the root of, of shaping me strangely, but and very yeah. interesting to look back at it. Now, um, just, you know, yeah. which we'll dive into. But that that's kind of the, the main impetus for, for that. I think, <laughs> yeah. you're in, I think you're in good company with being uh, restricted from watching things and also being shaped by weird stuff yeah. <laughs> as well. Yes. That's the general theme here. The first books that I was able to get my hands on, uh, I had to steal from my brother oh. uh, again. I don't know if I've mentioned this in the last three seconds. <laughs> I was raised <laughs> in a very religious household. Mm. So, yeah, when I was a kid, I was trying to figure out how life worked from stealing even King books. Oh, wow. Not great. Good luck. Not great. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I would have killed for Kim Possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) So a little background on the show. Kim Possible ran on the Disney Channel from 2002 to 2007. Four seasons, 86 episodes. It is an animated series, Mm -hmm. if we didn't make that clear before. This movie, this TV movie, the original air date was April 8th, 2005. It was written by Robert Shuley and Mark McCorkle, mm-hmm. and you can watch it on Disney Now, which is free online. We talked about Disney stuff in the past, how they usually just did three season and then cut it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a 65-episode limit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this one they gave another season to, mm-hmm. so it must be incredible. <laughs> but first, I looked up stuff about the creators, and I found a really fascinating nugget here. Nugget's the best word for it. <laughs> Bob Schooley and Mark McCorkle, who wrote this were also the creators of the show. Now, Bob Schooley is a pretty recent writer. He's been working with Disney for a while since I think Hercules or so. Mm. Uh, ah, which is another pivotal thing. For me. Yeah, <laughs> funny. Yes. The Disney Corporation owns <laughs> yeah. Sky's got your number. Owns of, child yeah, development. Definitely part of my brain. That's good. Uh, <laughs> Mark McCorkle, however, has been writing for cartoons since forever. Mm. On such things as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh-huh. and then he got into Disney, but I found that he wrote on a show, an uh, animated cartoon of New Kids on the Block. I'm sorry, <gasps> what? New Kids on the Block, the animated series. Now, okay, you're this not is ringing a vague bell. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is you can kind of tell how well regarded some things are by how well maintained their IMDb pages. Uh-huh. And this is pretty much like has tumbleweeds blowing through it. <laughs> this has like hyperlinks are just like strewn about. Um, the IMDb is so poorly maintained. The description for the series is the adventures of the NKOTB all they turned in a cartoons to sing and dance as only they know do it. 
No. <laughs> it's like it's been fed through Google Translate seven times. Yeah, yes. yeah. Or uh, somebody who's like, I can I can write, but every eighth <laughs> word disappears. Uh, McCorkle himself wrote such episodes as, quote, Homeboys on the Range and Coming Soon to Hugging and Learning, the New Kids on the Block Christmas Special. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Christmas cannot come fast enough. And just to give you a little taste of what that's going to be about, here's the uh, IMDb description. It's the amazing Christmas of NKOTB. <laughs> that's Great. it. Good. I can't wait. Can't wait. I watched a little bit of one episode. Mm-hmm. And it ends with the 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 guys uh, looking at the camera and being like, "We love you." And then their signatures come up, and that's it. Okay, yeah. cool. That's probably the best they could get from NKOTB. <laughs> <laughs> so Kim Possible. The premise of the show is that Kim is a high school cheerleader who, with her cowardly slash accident prone best friend Ron, <laughs> fights crime on a global scale with a lot of gadgets and a plum. I I found an article on Bustle. 12 life lessons Kim Possible taught us that are still pretty relevant. And the intro says, I think this is a good way to introduce the series if you didn't watch it. I watched it. I was was in college when this was airing, so I was not the prime demographic, but I had younger siblings. Mm. I watched a lot of Disney Channel growing up, so I definitely have seen some episodes of this. So per bustle, Kim never put on spandex or acquired a secret identity. Instead, she had her own website where people could book her for jobs with a tagline that promised that she could do anything. Considering she was often traveling far and wide to take down ro- a rogues gallery of bad guys while remaining on the cheerleading squad and maintaining a high GPA, Kim was totally <laughs> right about that. Over the course of four seasons, Kim Possible was one of those amazingly feminist shows that taught girls it was okay to overachieve, that worrying about boys didn't make you any less of a hero, and that you could invent your own slang and still sound sort of cool. <laughs> yeah, so much slang. That was something yeah. that there was really, a lot of slang. Yeah. I was like, I felt, oh, yeah. I felt super out of Some, yeah. watching this. I was like, Some of it was a- irresponsibly used. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, and this follows a lot of, I think this, I, I, I didn't I didn't watch this, shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> I, found, I found other shows to watch in my girlhood. Um, but this is a, a common theme in uh, children's shows that is actually done really well here. There's The 80s is riddled with the kid spy thing, including mm. James Bond Jr. Oh. Where it's JBJ? JBJ. <laughs> JBJ. Um, There's some slang for you. There you go. JBJ. That's getting a reboot. We've spoken its name aloud in the vicinity of Hollywood. It's getting a reboot. Yeah. It's already written. (laughs) We're not getting any money for that one either. Uh, Yeah. But this one's done really well Mm -hmm. where it's not just I'm a spy and then, oops, I have to do some homework. Mm -hmm. It's like the idea of having another life and uh, a teenage life are married really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's leaving all of that double identity shenanigans to Hannah Montana. Yes. Yeah, she's not yes. time for that. You're Hannah's Montana. <laughs> you're, you're James's Bond Juniors. <laughs> so as the movie opens, Kim and Ron are in Tokyo trying to save a Japanese man and his, I thought, daughter, but I think she's an employee. It turns out they seem to be very important dignitaries of some kind. We don't this know is, who they well, are. Yet. Nakasumi, they, yeah. the, the the president of the toy factory. Well, we don't know that I, yet. I, I will I'll say though, if, if in <laughs> the series they are characters that had at least one other episode. Oh really? Oh, yes. Okay. There's yeah. There's there, yeah. There was yeah, a few cool. things where I was like, oh, that's specifically 
um, uh, but yeah, I had I had forgotten that. I had forgotten that whole opening. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a parade happening. I yeah. feel like I'm in safe hands with your impossible yes. knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> I have so many questions that maybe you can clear up. Uh, there's <laughs> Most a, of them are, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> there's a big parade happening in Tokyo and Nakasumi and his translator, we think, slash employee mm-hmm. are on a big float and then they're suddenly attacked by these three huge men and their smoke smoke bombs go off and suddenly there's chaos at the parade. Yes. And by the way, notice on my second watch of this, the parade float has uh, Nakasumi and his assistant and two mascots. When this plane appears, those mascots bail. <laughs> They're like, no. <laughs> jump right off the, the yeah. parade float. These are not mascots that have any loyalty at no, all. No, these are, these are day players. I, I do love seeing less. that. I love seeing in, in so many animated things where you can tell that, you know, the artist creating it, we're like, oh, wouldn't that be a funny bit? Or like mm. whatever, like the, and there's just like when they really do take the extra minute to make little things that yeah. you won't see, like something you would find in a live action movie that they right. would find organically in the moment. It's like they actually were like, no, no, this is a fun yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. So you think all is lost, of course, but Kim explodes out of the float. Yeah. And small Easter egg per IMDb. There's a little snippet of the Mulan theme that plays when she explodes out of the oh. float. And uh, sure. she, another she, pivotal yes. part of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> it's all making sense now. Yeah. I'm kind of putting the pieces yeah. together too. And Kim fights off these three grown men all at once. And then Ron is there, of course, her sidekick, but he's having trouble getting out of the float. Well, first of all, after Kim knocks down these ninjas, ninjas pull the oldest trick in the book, fire laser swords. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now yes. Kim, is, yes. Kim is in trouble. Is this kind of the way, I'm assuming this is yeah. how this went, is Kim goes to a specific area, meets villains of that specific area, kind of a thing. Did you have a favorite villain that she she went up against? My favorite villain duo is Draken and Shigo, which nice. is honestly that part of why they are kind of in this movie is they are have they, they are the ones that occur the most and Shigo and Kim's dynamic is very and actually in rewatching this something I I took note of was the fact that Shigo and Kim are paralleled by being surrounded by buffoons like you know like it's like you have these confident badass women yes. and these men that are like ah and yet i kind of get things done you know obviously yep. the the evil and good version of that but um but yeah they they were always my because that dynamic and draken i think is just such a deliciously silly character oh for sure and oh man, it, it yeah. bears mentioning that the voice talent in this is uh, bonkers. Yeah. We'll John get DiMaggio. To them. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll get them when. Well, let's let's get yeah. to them as we get to them. But sure. yeah, like so, Kim is voiced by Christy Carlson Romano, mm-hmm. who was on Even Stevens, and then mm. she was on Broadway, and she played Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. I'm not sure what she's up to these days. I'm not sure. I did hear because they have just made the live action version. Yes, the live action impossible. Yeah. Um, and I remember. I mean, it, it, she wasn't going to play it because they really are making her like a, a high schooler. But I think that there was like a rumor that she might make a cameo or something like that. They haven't released that yet, though. I no. couldn't find a release date. I saw on IMDb some photos, but yeah. I couldn't find a release. There date. was like one trailer, but I have not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And she also sings. Could it be? The yeah. pivotal song of this film. <laughs> yes. Pivotal uh, song. Yeah. That's always the mark I mean, of a sweet cartoon. 
this is just a good it's a good opening scene to like introduce everybody yeah. Kim does something she's in trouble Ron tries to help he's in trouble Ron is her best friend and then Ron's naked mole rat yes Rufus and Rufus. reason to say the word naked a bunch yeah uh, uh, tries to save the day as well it's yeah just, voiced by Nancy Cartwright yes which yes. <laughs> yes. is amazing yeah. yes. right. And of course, Ron is voiced by Will Friedle from yep. Boy, who played Eric on Boy Meets World. Mm. <laughs> um, and so Ron are, and his naked mole rat are there, and then they are sort of overwhelmed by a sumo ninja, sumo ninja. <laughs> which seems like it should be a contradiction in terms. Uh, yet the sumo ninja was, we will keep coming back over yeah. the course of this episode. I, mean, I have that written down here. This person should not be... It's just a fat guy with throwing stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it changes my mind as we go along. Yeah. And there is a little so I bit. So learned something already. Yeah. <laughs> there is a little bit of like, this is how Japanese people right. speak English, right? It's not egregious, but there yeah. is a little it's, bit of. Oh, it's. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not as offensive as it could be, but it is a little bit like, oh, that's not. Okay. Yeah. Let's land right. on troubling. Yeah. I definitely yeah. felt there were a lot, a lot of little it moments. You're like, pause. oh, this is not. This is this Yikes. is however many years ago. That's right. what we're we, doing yes. still. Ha ha. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, possibly offensive. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Thanks, everybody. Oh, well yes. There. Getting written down. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously, this is the very beginning of the movie. So we know Kim's going to win this fight because <laughs> obviously the movie would be over immediately. She so she defeats the sumo ninja. And when she does, she says, that move won the cheer regionals. Yeah. <laughs> just to remind us all that she's just a high school student and she's also cheerleader. And then Ron gives him a wedgie, which is just typical Ron. It's a very good setup for the ordinary world, even if you've never seen an episode of this show. Yeah, you, you kind of get like, it Boom, at this boom, point. boom. Here's the dynamic. Here's what everybody does. They're still normal teenagers. But then when you think they've won, Shigo comes flying back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kidnaps... Nakasumi, president of Nakasumi Toys, with a retractable claw from her flying ship. Yeah. But classic. Kim manages to grab on. Classic. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the gadgets in this are just kind of like throwing darts at a word. Well, it's like board. it's cartoon gadgets, so we don't even have to make a prototype with actual human materials. Right. We can just draw yeah. whatever. That's true. Yeah. So human grabbing jet claw. Yeah. yeah. So Kim manages to grab on to Nakasumi's leg by and using her. Rocket skates. Rocket skates, mm-hmm. right. Uh, Ron forgot to wear his today, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> what, what, are they, what does he wear? He wears his sort of exploding brief. Right, yeah. blaster briefs. Which seems like <laughs> the worst thing to ever wear. No, Why Why, who made that? Why? Also, Wade. Not Wade. for we'll nothing. Get into Wade. I don't know how, how lady underwear works, but I think I would notice <laughs> any sort of jet propulsion system. Right. Oh, whoops. Yeah. So <laughs> she's holding on. Kim is flying around in the air, holding on to Nakasumi's leg while calling Wade. Her, who is her like computer hacker, gadget dude, Q, man at arms. <laughs> She's calling him. He patches her through to Monique, who is her best friend, voiced by Raven Simone. Wade is voiced by Taj Maori from Younger Brother of Tia and Tamara Maori, uh, who man. is also, he was on Sister Sister, right? Yeah. Too. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Monique and Kim, while in the middle of this big fracas, like flying through the air, they're talking updates on who's dating who, high school yeah. drama. Just lest you forget that Kim is an ordinary girl. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Extraordinary, ordinary girl. Flying around an exploding Tokyo, we get the information that Bonnie and Brick, mm-hmm. nice, yep. are back together. What's Bonnie's last name? She has a weird last Rockwaller. name. Rockwaller. So, and Brick Flag? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Bonnie, yeah. of course, voiced by <laughs> Just... Kristen Storms, who was on Xenon Girl of the 21st right? Century, yep. and Brick Flag, voiced by Ryder Strong, also from Boy Meets World. Oh, Ryder Strong, of course. 
Yeah, they're back together, and there's uh, a lot of pressure about an upcoming dance. Yeah. Right. The prom. The prom. The pram. That's how I like to call it. Yeah, the prom. The ultimate. The <laughs> ultimate ordeal that all of high school is leading truly the innermost cave of all high school ordeals so of course ron (laughs) and kim ultimately save nakasumi and the crowd watching the parade cheers Mm -hmm. shigo flies off in an impaired spaceship the opening titles happen and they're very bond film it's a different the the series titles are more peppy and poppy yeah yeah. these are very like sexy bond film yeah Yeah, same lyrics (laughs) but a totally different Tune, yeah, They're like silhouettes and people swimming by and such like that. Yeah. Yeah. good. And then we get like a list of the voice talent, which again is goddamn amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Ron and Kim are on their way home in Nakasumi's private jet. Uh, she's trying to do homework. He's playing with toy prototypes. And yes. then uh, prom was mentioned by Monique as we talked about. We don't have the call to adventure quite yet because all of this is all kind of in a day's work for Kim Possible. Mm-hmm. You know, going around the world on a school night. Defeating villains, saving people. This is all just like her normal, ordinary world. We haven't really had a call to adventure, even though we've had so much adventure already. (laughs) So Kim goes to look for Ron and discovers him in Nakasumi's plane office. (laughs) Yep. Question mark. (laughs) Speaking of question marks, here's a question that I've got for our resident expert. All right. Let's hope I got an answer. (laughs) I hope so, too, because otherwise I'm going to be confounded by this forever. All right. So Kim starts talking to Nakasumi, who whispers in his assistant's ear in a way that I think we're to believe that he cannot speak English, yes. Yes. but understands English yes. and is telling his assistant what to say. And then not a minute later, he's like, nah, I, I'm just messing around. I just, yeah. I like whispering in my assistant's ear yeah. is his thing. And his assistant, who I think we could describe as long suffering, yeah. says, <laughs> says, yeah, Nagasumi is kind of kooky that yeah, way. Yeah. So is this is this historically accurate? Yeah, well, this is kind of the final payoff, which is, I can't remember how many episodes. It might have just been one other one. But mm. the only other time you've seen them, he's never spoken English. So this oh. is like, this is the movie. So we're going to reveal that he actually has understood yes. English this whole time. So that it is like the sort of, it's so the drama, the movie. And right. here's one of our first big reveals. And speaking Nothing of reveals, will be the same. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of reveals in a real MacGyver twist of events, we learn in this movie, Kim Possible's middle name and her oh. parents, Front names. Just her have, father's front name. We don't learn her no, mother's. No, we do. We learn her mother's as well. Not until the end of the series. I don't know why I know that. No. I read it they, all say the time. It. <laughs> they say it in this movie. No, they say the father's first name because his first name is the two boys' names. Yes, but they say their mother, her mother's name as well. And what's her mother's name? Um, Anne. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right, though. Oh, that her... her, her it's her Kim's mom's, middle name yeah, is Anne. But I don't think they say it in this one. But like as you're watching this... This yep. is this is a big deal. It's like oh yeah, they're, oh they're not afraid to make these big changes. Yeah, what else will change? Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the. Yeah. I mean, they're going for broke. They think this might be the end of the entire series. Yeah, so it's like true. why hold back? Yeah. Um. So Kim and Ron don't get dropped off at the airport because that uh-uh. would be too easy. Not too extreme. easy. They just parachute <laughs> off the plane when it gets close to their homes. That was a guitar riff. <laughs> right. Um. Kim's parents are at home getting ready for work, and we get the lay of the land family wise. Here's something that I'm very proud that I noticed. The the possible home is modeled. Do you know this one? No, you go. You oh, go. Okay, it's fine. I was, <laughs> I was like, that looks really familiar. And it turns out it's modeled after the Van Damme house that was featured in North by Northwest. Oh, 
Yeah. I just thought, I love that sort of architecture. Yeah. I would totally live in that I'll house. To be honest with you, I'm not that classy. At first, I was like, is that the Brady home? <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Another thing I, I did, not having to do with the wonderful architecture, but the fact that Kim didn't cheat doing her geometry homework and uh, Ron did, and then all of it, you know, all goes up Ron's in the parachute. Papers, yeah. Like little, like, you know, the little moralities throughout yeah. of like, actually, yeah. Good point. She, that she's hardworking and that if you do cheat, there will be consequences. Come like little things right. like that. Ron's a bit of a slob, guys. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and say it. Oh my gosh. Uh, I was really noticing that I have in my some, preview. I'm going to have some more thoughts about Ron at the yes, end. Yes, yes. Um, but Kim's <laughs> parents are home. They're getting ready for work. Mom is a brain surgeon. Dad is a rocket scientist. Younger brothers Jim and Tim are twin precocious inventors. And they all know, because everyone knows, because it's public knowledge, that mm. Kim is out saving the world on a nightly basis. Yeah. So her parents are like, Kim's out late last yeah. night. And then she just parachutes in the backyard. And they're like, yeah. oh, hey. Like, Don't be late for school. Where were you? And she turns on the news, and it's and they're very proud of her espionage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dr. Ann Possible, yep. voiced by Gene Smart, mm-hmm. of course, who played Charlene on Designing Women, and then Gary Cole voices <laughs> Gary her Cole. father. Right. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Such a great voice. So one of my favorite moments in this scene is uh, Tim and Jim have created these rockets yeah. that fly through the, the the house, and then Kim knocks them both down, and they come into the kitchen to be like, we invented rockets! We're a menace! Um, <laughs> somebody should be watching us! They don't say all those things, but most of them. Yeah. And they see that the, the the rockets have been smashed on the ground, and one of them, with like really <laughs> bitter rage, goes, you did this! <laughs> it's like... So I'm yeah, just saying, I, mean, I don't know how season four goes, but <laughs> it turns out one of them's a villain. I saw it coming. Well, yeah, you'll know why. This seems like a real the kids are raising themselves kind of household. Yeah. I don't think Kim probably had a lot of adult supervision either as a younger woman. It all seems very, very functional. Everyone, despite the the menace in the voice of one of the younger <laughs> siblings, um, there seems to be a lot of love in the household. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. is very ad- admiring of everyone else's yeah. achievements. The parents are on equal footing with each mm-hmm. other, uh, which is all great. Sets up this really sort of like functional model for a household where my being a, an achiever doesn't take away from you. Yeah. And everyone is allowed to kind of spread their wings and be their best self, which is that's kind of. Uh, that's a great family role model mm-hmm. to yeah. see as well. The mom is a brain surgeon and the dad is a rocket scientist and they're still, you know, like they're co-parenting and mm-hmm. they're in love. And it's a thing you wouldn't realize as a kid, maybe, but as an adult, I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely, that was really, that really struck me in reviewing. Cause yeah, it was something that I, I'm sure I picked up on. And I, I certainly, as I said, I was always grasping to see good female representation, whether I knew it or not, um, as a kid. And I even did in sixth grade, shortly after this movie came out, we had one of those projects where you had a family and you had to like buy a home and like, you know, learning budgeting and stuff. And I modeled my family after the possible family. So it's like, I literally did that. And I really loved that. And like when, when Kim hits the rockets, you know, her dad says sweet backhand, Kimmy, like there's just no, like, whoa, like even though she, as we'll get into, has some insecurities about it freaking out boys or something yeah. like that. The fact that her, 
solid family base is is well is yeah, yeah. is yeah. is supportive. Yeah, totally it can supportive. be nice to see, especially if if you're not not yours. Yep. I'm not saying <laughs> like if you have a home that's a little more critical than yep. that. It can mm-hmm. be nice to see a, a complete acceptance, even yeah. in you know yeah. fantasy cartoon world. So cut to a very dysfunctional lair. Yes. <laughs> um, first things first. It's got a sign. <laughs> yes. So Step one. Don't do that. Draco. Draco. I'm sorry. Draken. 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 I'm sorry. Draken. Yeah. I wrote Draco first, but then I looked and I. Do we ever find out his first Draken. name? Well, uh, yes. We do in this yeah, one. Yeah. Because, and that's, that's right. also, that's from a previous episode. There we go. Yes. Which okay. we'll, we'll okay. dive into. So Draken. <laughs> bet we will. So Draken's there with Shigo, and he's the boss, but she's clearly more competent mm-hmm. yep. and has some sort of, I don't know if it's her suit or if she can make toxic flames come out of her hands actually if i were to pick an episode not this movie i probably would have picked the uh the uh, go episode which you mm. find out her origin story which mm. that she was a part of a group of superheroes the goes oh. and she was the one that went rogue mm. and um so they all do actually have supernatural powers um, okay but, so it's so, not yeah. just her suit like mm-hmm. she has these she can shoot flames out of her yeah as i as i recall yes etc mm-hmm. so anyway draken is like pissed they didn't manage to capture the toy maker they have this like mind brain draining machine all ready to go and they don't have anyone to use it on now which is kind of a bummer but uh it turns out that his big goal right now is to get inside kim possible's head and find her weakness so he's throwing a slumber party (laughs) like behind (laughs) glass he has like scientists throwing a slumber party to try to figure out how to get inside girls heads which is kind of cute and ridiculous also, an important plot point here, as punishment for failure, uh, Draken uh, makes Shigo beat up some synthodrones. Mm-hmm. These, I'm assuming, are all over the place. It's a wonderful, like, cartoon, or are they new to this? This is, this synthodrones are also, this is like a, a new big thing. Uh-oh. I do love knowing um, the ending, how they really do plant the seeds for all of, because his, his plan is so all over the, seemingly yeah. all over the place that, uh, but yeah, synthodrones were a, a new addition to the Impossible world. Synthodrones, they're like robots, but they're like humanoid robots. They're very tough and they have all this strength, but then they have one pretty critical weakness, <laughs> yeah. which is that if you puncture them in any way, there's syntho goo inside that leaks out and they completely collapse. Yeah, yeah. That's so it. in a way, it's a little bit like the worst possible yeah. kind yeah. of thing what? to defend your lair. What's your kryptonite then? I don't know, a needle. Yeah, yeah just yeah. like punch yeah. it with a thumbtack yeah. and it's done. I do want to point out one thing here that I noticed. After she beats, she makes short work of these syntho drones. Yeah. Draken's like, well, I forgive you. And then they go on to talk about their plan. They leave and another synthodrone has to come in to mop up the other synthodrones. And I'm like, this is how the Terminator starts. That, I thought that guy was just like a janitor. No, was no, he's another, another synthodrone. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's terrible. That's how you build resentment <laughs> yeah, in robots. You're already creating humanoid robots. I don't care if they're goo-filled or easy to defeat. Don't get on their it's bad like- side. If the Terminator were actually a Cadbury egg. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. Well, yeah. now I have really gross imagery. <laughs> My Easter is ruined. But I, I, in that moment, too, of like, I do think that's so much of, again, what people like about Dr. Draken and Shigo is like you have these heightened moments and he takes mm. everything so seriously and then they mop it up like the that's the comic sort of timing of then you have someone mop it up or like when he's going through and showing her all his different experiments the way or like Steven's like doing all the slang like what up Dr. D diggity dog and he's like we've lost Stevens like that, <laughs> yes. that 
was so much of what really drew me into the show. And it's actually a show that I watched with my dad and he yeah. rewatched it with me. Nice. He insisted upon it. Oh, really? That's yes. So nice. um, I was like, oh no, I'm just going to, I'm been taking notes. He's like, no, no. But part of what I think really um, made it really enjoyable for us to watch together was all of that silly humor and the, the yeah. little, the witticisms and anytime animation. I mean, that's what I think makes the best sort of animation is when oh, it's, sure. it has a certain level of self-awareness and while still bringing out great morals and all that sort of stuff, there are these like very, very silly moments. And those are the things that for the most part, uh, I felt really stayed strong for me in rewatching it. That the, sure. a lot of those moments, like the, you can't, you can't deny comedy in that. Somehow through all of the mishaps that Shigo has been through, she has managed to return to the lair with a doodle for a toy yeah. uh, that the toy maker had had on his person or yeah. ended up in her ship or something somehow. In general, Draken is like, I've got a plan. It involves all this stuff, but really we're going to take our, our evil to the next level in order to yeah. defeat Kim Possible for good. Yeah, and the thing we need to do is get inside her head, and yeah. that's how we'll figure it out. So we still haven't had a call to adventure because because this none of this has directly impacted Kim in a way that is out of the ordinary, yeah. mm-hmm. but we're gonna about to get it right now at cheerleading practice. Where all good calls to adventure happen. <laughs> it's true. It's a real Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Remember in Star Wars where he's like, but dad, I gotta go to cheerleading practice. And then he just like, that star. the Tatooine warriors need me. <laughs> the Tatooine the Bobcats. Bobcats. <laughs> Even better. The Tatooine <laughs> scum and villains. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Kim is at cheerleading practice and her high school arch nemesis, Bonnie Rockwaller, meanly points out that every other cheerleader has hooked up with a boyfriend, but yeah. Kim is too busy. Not only have they, they hooked up with a boyfriend, but they've strategically chosen yeah, yes. <laughs> like the captains yes. of all the sports teams. And the only guy that Kim hangs out with is Ron, who yeah. is, according to Bonnie, a total loser. Kim's like, well, it's not like there's a deadline for getting boyfriends. And Bonnie says, yaha, prom is coming up. <laughs> so there is a definitive deadline. All the good dudes are spoken for. Good luck going to prom by yourself or with Ron, which is even worse than going by yourself. Well, it's even worse than going with the captain of the chess team. Can you even imagine such a thing? <laughs> Smart people are horrible. So then Ron comes in. To illustrate Bonnie's point, he comes in screaming like a dweeb about how it's time to go to Bueno Nacho for their traditional Bueno Nacho after school appointment. And the look on Kim's face is just pure despair. This is the call to adventure. And consequently, so I went into this like, I'm going to watch this thing. I've seen some episodes of this. I'm not sure if or how this would resonate with me, Chelsea, as a Mm 35-year-old woman, you know? And then I watched... I watch her face fall when it occurs to her, oh shit, I forgot to have a boyfriend while I was out saving the world. And I'm like, oh, this is a can women really have it all thing. Mm -hmm. This is going to come back to like, does my ambition make me hard to date? Is that a problem? Gotcha. Um, And I was like, oh shit, this is actually like much deeper than I thought Mm -hmm. it would be going into it because the look on her face is like, oh, I thought I had life figured out. You kick butt, you save people, you have great parents. You have a best friend, and then oh shit! I just realized that I'm I'm not nailing it. Mm. I I forgot to get a boyfriend, and now that's suddenly very important to me because it's been pointed out that I don't have one. Mm. Sure, that's what's so interesting to me too. And that I I felt very similarly. And like oh, we're really setting up her journey, and really you know it's an evaluation of people's perception of you. Like how much do you value what Bonnie? 
thinks of you. Yeah, it, when you were watching this as a as a kid, and not to say that your uh, childhood was misshapen because you couldn't watch TV, <laughs> but but I, but I shouldn't have to say that. Did you identify with somebody who was sort of like? out of the norm of things as far as like, she's a spy. She has her own like separate life and socializing often comes at the expense of that. Totally. I mean, I did come from a very kooky family of artists. I mean, I'm an only child and, my parents are both actors and we just, I grew up here in the, in, in the Valley, in Valley Village. Oh, wow. And again, I was at a Waldorf school, eclectic. And while I never was popular in the typical sense, certainly mm-hmm. wasn't on the cheerleading squad, I was always friendly with everyone. So I never felt like a Ron or, you know, something, you know, people didn't bully me. Yeah. I think part of why I really stuck to my guns and being my own individual self was because I had enough people around me who were like, no, that's great. And I had enough role models because another, you know, I had, I had Hermione Granger, I had Kim Possible, yeah. I, you know, I, I could list on and on the amount of female characters I at least got to relate to in some capacity uh, watching it now and watching it then I think I really I that was one element of Kim that I always was like no Kim like it doesn't matter did you say like, that to your television yeah I mean it? I really Absolutely. felt I was so I was always so on on Ron's side yeah like I that's what I really also realized in rewatching this was like how much like his realization I'm like I know right like you know <laughs> that was kind of my whole thing and I I mean we can do a deep dive but I uh, and once we talk about the character of Eric and all that sort of stuff, yeah. but I certainly like spent a lot of time post this movie and even pre this movie looking for my Ron Stoppable. Like I was like, gotcha. that's who I want to end up with. Like yeah. I don't Eric, bleh. you know. Like <laughs> I was always looking for like the best friend, which is also hilarious because I realized that being mm-hmm. aware of the fact that I wanted a Ron Stoppable kind of negated my ability to have a Ron Stoppable because Kim doesn't realize that her best friend from ever. So I remember even (laughs) being like that sixth grader who's like, well, technically I've already screwed myself over because I'm looking for... I'm looking for the most unlikely person. So that's a little bit of the most unlikely person the likely. I need the medium likely person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little window into the craziness of my brain. On a scale of Eric to Ron, I need someone in the middle. Yeah. Okay, so that was all the call to adventure. This is the sort of like, normally the call to adventure would be like, I have to save the world. But it's like, no, the saving of the world is the ordinary world. Yeah, yeah. The finding of Uh a boyfriend, the most sort of typical high school thing, is the call to adventure in this topsy-turvy, Kim Possible, bizarro world. Totally. So now we have the meeting with the mentor. Kim sits down with her BFF Monique, voiced by Raven Simone. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm weirding guys out. They see me punching dudes on TV, and they don't want to date me. Which... Is probably accurate. Yeah, uh, that's not in your head, Kim. <laughs> Dude, my that is accurate. Uh, your yeah. threatening behavior. Dudes might find that threatening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Monique says, "Look, you're a strong, independent woman. Any guy afraid of that is not worth her time." Monique points out the only reason Kim is asking these questions right now is because Bonnie put it into her head that there's yeah. something wrong with her, mm-hmm. and which is, you know, so typical. But you don't realize that when you're a teenager that competition and comparison are not going to get you anywhere. I mean, that's a problem for adults, too. But I feel like especially in your teen years, you're looking around and you're like, everyone else has it figured out. For sure. 
Yeah. I'm the only one that's screwing this up. And well, you don't realize luckily, that everyone's saying that in their yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, totally. we've all grown up and come to the one place in the world where there is no comparison between <laughs> people true. at all. Yeah. And some of us years. have gotten into a career where yeah. it's like everyone's equally great. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Nothing yes. but love. Don't change a thing. <laughs> Don't change a thing. <laughs> the Hollywood story. <laughs> okay. Don't change it. It used to be right under the Hollywood sign. Yeah, Don't yeah. change a thing. And then they changed it. Yeah, <laughs> Don't change a thing, land. And then they put a Del Taco in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're at Bueno Nacho. And Ron is upset that yeah. Bueno Nacho is under new management. Yes. And that is another very much this is the movie thing because Bueno Nacho is the place. They yeah. are always at Bueno Nacho. I think uh, there may not be an episode where Bueno Nacho is is not oh, featured. Okay. Like it Important. is no. their spot. And it's Nacho gotcha. Night, except Nacho Night has been canceled. Does he keep calling it Nacho Night? He calls it Nacho Night. It is Nacho Night. Because a naco is a taco and nacho. It's a whole thing. Guys, I could bust out the naked mole rap. Like, it's it's a whole... Yo, listen up, have a holla from Ron. Naked mole rap is the name of the song. Here's a story. On all its glory, ain't had nothing. Don't know what the truth is. I Ron met Rufus. Never heard a cat bark. Never heard a puppy purr. My dad's allergic to every kind of fur. So I searched for hairless pets on the internet. Saw a JPEG of a pink thing. Gonna need sunscreen. What is that? That freaky thing. Yes, that's right. It's a naked mole rap. Come on, y'all. Let the girlies sing. Listen to the naked mole rap. And that's just the first episode we've ever recorded. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. We're going to end. This is the last episode we need to ever do. Yeah, But I will say the reason why I even brought that up is because they... No, I'm sorry. That was amazing. No, I still need to like sit with this for a moment. That was fantastic. Well, now we know why he has a naked mole rat his yeah. dad's allergic to every kind of fur so he heard yeah exactly but the, there is a part later in the song that's um we go to <laughs> in, the rap, yeah, in, in the rap in the rap there's more we go to bueno nacho chimarito and a knuckle always grande size why not i'm by and rufus in my pocket you can't stop it don't can't top it don't drop it you might just pop it rufus and run stoppable <laughs> the best friend can possible wow. we're not afraid of any attack you say yo kp i got you back Aww. yeah but anyway great. But the naco is, it's a very important uh, dish for Ron throughout the series. Taco-nacho hybrid. I just long for more information given to me in rap form because I really, (laughs) I feel like... Caught up so fast. Yeah, I get it all now. Like, it's through through the rabbit hole now. Yeah, step aside, Hamilton. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will do the Kim Possible Hamilton. So naco night's been canceled. Now I understand why that's such a big deal. So naco night's canceled because someone bought the whole franchise and Chelsea wrote this cannot be a coincidence yes <laughs> there are no coincidences well in the yeah. world of Kim Possible so uh, at this point their computer shut-in buddy Wade where is Wade well as is revealed later he must be in Middleton the yeah, town he gets twist turned upside they down never yeah. hang out with him in they, person they don't and Maybe I it's not his thing I can't quite remember. There is an origin episode that I am a little rusty on. Well, if they didn't wrap it to you, how are you going to remember Yeah, exactly. There's just a certain part of your brain. I forget exactly how they kind of get in cahoots with each other. But yeah, he just likes being in... Yeah, in his room. In his room. It works. So now we're fully into the special world. We're in a special world where Kim Possible cares that she doesn't have a boyfriend. There is no more Nako Night. And <laughs> there are other things happening behind the scenes that we will soon understand. There are pieces in play. There are wheels in motion mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes. So we're back at uh, Draken's because... 
he's been spotted in the Bermuda Triangle. That's right. Wade, Wade uh, yes. calls and says that he's been, is this a thing, the Bermuda Triangle? It's not, but I mean, it's very much a impossible a, thing sure. of like making that joke. And I will say, we'll get to the Hephaestus Project. It's a very, you know, smart show in that it made me then go, well, what's Hephaestus? Or like, what's the Bermuda Triangle? Like all these know. little seeds of like actual things that then you look up and you realize, you know, oh, that's etymology. And seems so, like the theme of this casino and hotel yeah. Bermuda <laughs> yeah. Triangle, yes. just from the outside, looks like the theme is don't come in here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, very, 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 <laughs> very well observed. So. Yes. Uh, Draken is there to talk to a gangster whose name I love. Yeah. Big Daddy Brother Son. Yeah. Yep. I will say, you know, so my dad and I were rewatching it. We both like guffaw. Yes. Like we had forgotten that that was his name. Big Daddy Brother Son, of course, uh, is voiced by Maurice LaMarche. There you go. And who voiced did. the brain on Animaniacs is and voiced, Big Daddy Brother Son. Voiced Orson Welles in Edward. Oh. oh. So there you go. He's got a very sophisticated, like yeah. a very... A memorable voice. Very much so. As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. brain. Definitely a veteran. This is a fun, uh, fun little romp through this casino. <laughs> yes. Uh, because Ron and Kim get separated immediately. <laughs> yeah. And Ron ends up in a high stakes poker game, which is just I just his luck. It really, really is the the they they crawl through a vent, and Kim uh, has a lipstick laser, yeah. yeah, which she uses to break into the women's room. And she's like, you can't come in here, Ron. It's the women's room. Right. Like, also, she's in an evening gown. He is in his father's blue tuxedo. Which she says. Which, Never been worn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, wore it. He, he got it for his prom. Never been worn. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. Yeah, pretty also, I, I can't help but there are certain parallels to Ron Stoppable and Ron Weasley in Harry Potter. Uh-huh. And yeah. I, I swear that prom is... Very yeah. similar to what, yeah, to what he wears to, to the, the ball, yeah, to the, yeah, the yeah, triwizard. Yeah. yeah. Dress robes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I remember at the time, because this was prime Kim Possible Harry Potter obsession for me. And I was like, ooh. Man, those are just like, yeah. There's just that a, sort of. There's a weird parallel yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Kim's tools, you know, it's also a hair dryer. The thing that she shoots the yeah. stuff from, and the laser lipstick. Obviously, it's you know, again, the sort of don't forget she's a teenager and she likes yes. these things. And also, she never has a weapon. Like she doesn't yeah. have yeah. a gun. She doesn't have a knife. She doesn't mm-hmm. have. She has gadgets that help her sort of like circumvent things and get her out of pickles. But she mm. doesn't have a weapon that she ever like turns on a nemesis. Yeah, it's a very Batman kind of yeah, way sure. of fighting crime. And I real I noticed this just exploration of like Ron's femininity. It like Mm -hmm. kept popping up to me. And the fact that pretty nonchalantly, you know, he's like, why doesn't Wade ever pack me cool stuff? She's like that time you almost melted your fingers. He's like, it looked like regular nail polish. (laughs) And you know, and it's not, it's not really questioned. I mean, like I am just observing that more and more in anything I watch, but the way in which it's like, well, he's not, she doesn't really, should make fun of him and for like, that. Well, why'd you put that nail polish on? Yeah, him? it's just like Sicko. Yeah, it was just the fact that he nearly burned his nails off. So like little <laughs> yeah. things right. like that, I find. And then of course, you know, case in point, five seconds later, he does the thing with the laser lipstick and, and totally yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> proves does, why he shouldn't have those tools. It does seem to to be that they're setting up this, you know, jump from friendship into maybe something more. They're couching Ron's maturity level. Um, more than his, you know, romantic prowess. It's it's about his being, you know, childlike and mm-hmm. being goofy. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's not boyfriend material, or is it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, or is it remains my question. Wow. So, well, um, for my sake, I hope so. 
Yeah, so Ron ends up in a high-stakes poker game yes. with yeah. a cowboy voiced by Stephen Root. <laughs> yeah. Sure, man. <laughs> Just throw in Stephen Root. Just why not? Shigo <laughs> uh, so. and Kim run into each other. They're battling in evening gowns, which mm-hmm. is a fun twist that mm-hmm. we haven't seen before. Draken is trying to exchange money for this information that he wants from Big Daddy Brotherson. <laughs> Who is a real goof up Yep. He, is, he, likes he likes silly games. He likes silly games. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, he's weird. got information on Cybertronics. And it turns out, twist, what? the only person that understands that kind of technology is none other than Kim's dad. Dad possible. Dad possible. Dun, dun, dun. Um, fight, fight, more fight. Now Draken knows who's the person that understands this technology and Shigo and Draken get away. And Draken uh, gets away while yelling, you think you're all that, but you're not even close. A sick burn that even laser <laughs> lipstick could not mimic. And it is a callback because he always yes. says, you think you're all that, but you're not. Is that a thing? Yeah, so this is taking it to the next level, oh, but you're not even close. Not even close? Yeah. It's the movie. Yeah. He's moving <laughs> yeah. the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it used is... to be not, but now it's not even close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just Draken's almost big moment. I so do. I am flashing to a lot of pictures of you going, oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watching this for the yeah. first and most recent time. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> That's very accurate. Yeah. So Kim is back at school. She's mm. looking around at all these teenage couples, and she's sad because she knows she's going to be dateless for prom. Ron approaches her with a petition to bring back Nako Night at Bueno Nacho. Mm. She says, I, I just don't, I don't want to do Bueno Nacho. I just want to go home. But sure, I'll sign your petition. And Ron's like, I can always count on you. Yeah. We're doing like a, what's wrong? Do we want to talk about yeah. it? Let's not talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. It's a real fast will they, won't they? Right. And, but she's also like not too upset about her own problems to not do him a solid and be yeah. the first person mm-hmm. to sign his petition. Absolutely. So she goes home to talk to mom possible. Well, she, first she tries to talk to dad possible about how she's feeling. And he's like, let me get your mother on the Fucking horn. Tags out quick, yeah. very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he calls her mother. Who's like in the operating theater doing brain surgery. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some things to say about this. <laughs> Go ahead. It seems to be below the professional standard you would want from your brain surgeon. Maybe he's got her on, but <laughs> So Mom Possible has got her on speakerphone, and she's like, this is happening. I feel weird because I feel like I should have a boyfriend or I should have a date for the prom, but I'm probably going to end up going through Ron, which is ridiculous because Ron's not boyfriend material, and who you go with makes a statement, and, and there's like a there's a pecking order where she says the, the ladder. What does she say? The food chain. The food oh, yeah, chain. the food chain. There's a food very, chain. Yeah, yeah. It's very important where you are on the food chain, da 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 And her mom very wisely asks, why is Ron friend material but not boyfriend material? Which I have a whole thing about, like, boys and girls can be friends. Mm-hmm. Every best friend boy f- does not turn into a boyfriend, does yes. not have to. That is not realistic. That is also a like terrible precedent to set for yourself. Sure. Yeah. However, it's a good question to ask. If you like this person so much that they're your best friend, why is it that you don't want to date them? Mm-hmm. And then the answer is, you know, we don't have any chemistry or I don't think about them that way yeah. or whatever. Fine. Yeah. But Kim doesn't have an answer for y- beyond like, well, they'll make fun of me if I date him. Right. That's her only real answer is about the food chain. Oh, and then uh, also her conversations cut short when uh, mother's patient dies. Which is flatlines. They and probably she's brought like, it back. Well, so. <laughs> so. She decides that maybe she should hang up. Yeah. So the next scene is the possible house being repossessed. 
uh, in, <laughs> in the fallout to financial Medical ruin after mom's gigantic <laughs> malpractice suit. They're all crying, and it's like, wow, what a weird yeah. way to end this episode. Yeah, mom's yeah, like, yeah. you had to call me about your dumb boy problems? <laughs> the end. But not really. The twist, even Draken didn't see coming. Yeah. <laughs> They're breaking like, all the rules. My work's done, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. shoot. Well Just done. Just gonna let them do it themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guess I'll, I guess I'll have to find another teenage arch nemesis. <laughs> no. Um, the next morning on the way to school, Kim tells Monique that she's over this. She's going to get over this feeling. She's, she's fine. She and Ron are fine. Everything's great. Monique's like, cool, cool, cool. Tight, tight, tight. <laughs> and then Ron passes them on his moped, which yeah. is going us pr- only marginally faster than crawling on your hands and knees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this thing is beat up. It is sad, sad, sad. I know that you've said that the call to adventure and stuff has already happened, but I disagree. This is where the actual story starts in the school parking lot where Ron meets Eric, uh, who's riding an awesome motorcycle and they immediately bond, form a bond stronger than brotherhood over how amazing <laughs> it is to ride motorcycles. I see. This so is what all motorcyclists... journey. Yeah, we are. If we <laughs> yeah. haven't been all along. Because once again, all motorcyclists want are to talk about other motorcycles and how cool it is to have motorcycles right and they are like this feels like you're pers- personalizing a little bit i incidentally have a motorcycle <laughs> yeah and then they bond over the fact that eric knows what a mole rat naked mole rat is and this is just like i'm sure when you were first watching this you were like man i'm glad it took this turn now we'll find out about ron and eric's friendship <laughs> ron stoppable colon so not the point of this <laughs> uh yeah ron and eric become fast friends and hang out and ride motorcycles together and be best friends into the sunset at the end but then uh, then um no that doesn't happen because yoko possible comes along <laughs> and breaks oh, them oh, up. My god. oh my god you need to save this for your fanfic <laughs> your, yeah yeah the, the halfway done halfway done <laughs> coming soon coming what soon. actually happens is that ron, ron gets to school and he He's going to park his moped in this spot, but he's moving so slowly that the spot gets stolen by a new guy who is also like super cute and has green eyes and floppy hair and likes naked mole rats. He sees Rufus and he's like, oh, cool, naked mole rat. His name is Eric. They hit it off right away. And Chelsea is immediately suspicious. Yes. Because new kids don't show up in the middle of the school or like right before prom. You don't start school six weeks before graduation. Yeah. That's ridiculous. He has a motorcycle though. He plays by his own rules. He's too perfect. He's too perfect. My initial sixth grade reaction was definitely like, nope. I mean, I have, again, this this movie only reinforced my mistrust of perfectly beautiful men. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but but I already kind of came in with like, Mm-mm, not mm-hmm. buying it, no. Mr. Nice Guy. That's how we've lived this long. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we go on a tour of the school. Erica has been given a tour of the school by Ron. Mm. And we, we get into the cafeteria. And this is, okay, I'm going to lay this out because this is the point at which my issue with the rest of this movie crystallizes. Eric spots Kim in the cafeteria. He's immediately like, she's super cute. Introduced me to her. And Iran's like, don't you know who Kim possible is? And he's like, no, who's that? And we've already established that everyone knows who Kim possible. She's on the news all the time. And I was like, that's suspicious. Um, But then Ron is like, we're best friends. Nothing more. And, Eric's talking about how cute Kim is, and Ron's like, ooh, gross. Never talk about her that way. Yeah. Ugh, disgusting. So she's, she's steamed. Heat, Extreme steam. steam. Thank you. Yeah. Let's never yeah. let let's a moment, never. Yeah. let's never yeah. let a new term go by. Yeah. 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 Extreme steam. steam. Oh, but yeah, it's funny, because that was my, I I was questioned, yeah, exactly what was going on with Ron, because uh, like the most positive spin I could make 
on that was like, oh no, he's saying like, we're not going to talk about women like that, Eric. Oh. No, I, don't, I think Whoa. that you are giving him too much, too much credit, credit. which nice I think thought. I always have. Yes, but sure. the thing is, he's in this moment when, when Eric is like sexualizing Kim or just kind of even saying in a very innocent way that she's cute. And yeah. I mean like, Steam, what is it? Extreme, extreme steam. steam. That's fucking terrible. Oh man! But did it's, you, it's were you, innocent. Did you long to be called Extreme Steam one day? Uh, no, but I did not. <laughs> Even in sixth grade, you were like X uh, X yeah, and I yeah, on this. Yeah. Neither of those no, sound but, like pleasant words. No, no. But Ron, Ron is like, he does this very much. Like she's like a sister to me. Like yeah. that kind yeah. of a reaction. But then they go sit down for lunch, and immediately Eric sits next to Kim, introduces yeah. himself. She obviously thinks he's cute. They're kind of flirting. Monique's jaws on the table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And Ron is immediately bothered by this yeah. and tries yeah. to like pulls up a chair in between them and he's like, uh, I don't know. Don't talk to Kim. I'm I remember I'm here. I'm the best friend. And then we have a sad montage of yep. Kim and Eric hanging out and getting close and Ron being left out. And the song that's playing yes. is some dweeb singing like, yeah, yeah, don't you want to kiss her? Now that guy's yeah, going to yeah. kiss that's her. The strategy of this song is you should kiss her. You should tell her how you feel. Hold up, buddy. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is where I'm like, right wait, wait, wait. Order. Five seconds ago, you literally said ew when yeah. a guy said she was cute. This feels like you just feel left out and you're jealous to yeah. me. Like you don't actually have feelings for yeah. her. You just don't want to be left out, which is a totally valid thing. But that's not romantic. Yeah, he feels like a third wheel. Yeah. The exact thing a motorcycle does not need. Oh, my God. But it is. A- <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling uh, like someone at this table is a third wheel. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Is it, is it? It's the brownies. Uh, no, it's, it's Miles. It's always Miles. Uh, in coming from having like been obsessed with the show, and I feel like there was a real, not even a divide with the fans, but I think there was a conversation. Of course, this is like pre, you know, Twitter or any, I mean, like we weren't, mm-hmm. you know, there was some online, We're whatever, forums. this debate now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> On Twitter today. Kim and Ron. But I remember I was definitely someone that always wanted them to get together, even though there was me, I think, I can't even remember if it ever was really touched upon, but it was something yeah. that people were kind of quietly rooting for, but they never fully tapped into. And so I do agree that was a similar thing that I observed from this point onwards and even, you know, the ending, which we'll get to. But um, yeah, the development of him realizing it's like they needed for him to realize so soon in right. the like they needed like, well, he has to realize those feelings yeah. right away. And I also kind of observed from this point on there. It really does pivot into a lot of Ron's story. Yeah. Like it's very much, I mean, Kim still has her protagonist journey, but I was kind mm-hmm. of like, whoa, this is a lot about Ron. Yeah. Hanging and out him, without Kim. Yeah. And him being like, oh, do I have feelings? Like you get, it's just really starts to focus on his yeah. arc in the story, which is valid, but I just hadn't quite observed yeah. that when yeah. I watched it before. I just want to make sure that there's, and there's no point in talking this movie was written years ago, <laughs> but it's like, I, I just want to make a crowbar separation between the feeling my best friend has a new person she likes more than me and mm. I feel left out. And holy shit, I just realized I have romantic feelings totally. for my best friend. Yeah. Those are really two great. separate things yeah. that are happening. They are so- somewhat conflated in this narrative. Well, and I'm like, yeah. Ron, you need to sit down and separate <laughs> out whether you just feel jealous. Yeah, first things first, you should you have, kiss her and then yeah, figure and then, out how you feel about that. And then tell her. Yeah, just well, grab her, sm- smash your face onto her face, and then... 
then tell her how and you then feel. say, "Can I kiss you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that <laughs> what they're doing is a pretty common trope where you know somebody is forced into their feelings on the back of feeling jealous, like. They could have taken a little bit more time and been like Ron exploring the fact that he yeah. feels jealous and being like, well, why do I feel jealous? Yeah, yeah. Like we could have seen that and there would have been less convoluted here. Yeah. I will say that moving forward, I, I do think that they handled this friend zone situation, best friends that I think they handled this better than you know, I would have expected. Yeah. I just wish that there, if there are kids watching this and that, that there are two ways that you could feel, you know, it isn't yeah. necessarily that like, Oh, the instant your best friend gets a boyfriend, you will realize that you are in love with them. Right. That's what that feeling is, yeah. you know, because up to this point we have established that like Kim and Ron are not really at the same maturity level. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, like they hang out a lot and they're friends, but like that, those feelings don't always directly translate into sexual chemistry, which is yeah. what dating someone is. Yeah. I, I, I think she can yeah. do better, I guess, yeah, is yeah, the yeah, end yeah, of yeah, my yeah. thought about this. I'm so glad that you're tackling that particular aspect of it because, I mean, I said it earlier, I do think this really shaped so much of my mentality when it came to romantic relationships that I was constantly seeking the best friend who I would then develop feelings for, and it never worked out. <laughs> <laughs> to be yeah. clear. It's a it's never, the, never, never backwards way of going into yeah. that best friendship. Exactly. Yeah. I was so, going to save this till later, yeah. but reading Stephen King's book really <laughs> didn't prepare yeah. me for normal life. <laughs> I am super sad if anything like ghostly attacks me. <laughs> but as far as relating to people, not so great. Not so great. I was I'm always sensitive about this because I was a person who didn't really have girlfriends until college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always hung out with guys, yeah. and I always was like annoyed by the idea that girls and guys can't be friends or like that thing in pop culture where it was like, but actually all this was just leading up to the making out all these years of friendship. And Mm -hmm. I was always annoyed by that and kind of offended. It was right there in front of you the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, but sometimes you actually, if I have five guy friends, I can't, they can't all be my soulmate that I've just been ignoring yeah. this whole time. You know, like these friendships are valid on their own. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I'm just, I'm just rooting for Ron Kim's team to like be strong enough to weather this storm. Yeah. I guess. We yes. go to a science lab somewhere. Yeah. Rocket science. Dr. Dad's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Dad possible is working late perfecting his Cybertronic technology, and yes. then he's kidnapped by Sumo Ninja, who sneaks up on him. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Just like I gotta eat my words from earlier. Well, this is great because it's the, Hesfe- the Hephaestus Project, which he mentioned the first time we saw him in this episode, is a $3 million, three-year-long project mm. he's been working on. It's almost ready to go. Draken shows up to kidnap him, and we find out that they went to college together, which yes. is pretty yes. cute. There had been an episode before with him but one of the one of my other favorite episodes is when you realize they were all college and of course it's that classic thing part of why he became a villain was because Kim's dad and his other buddies weren't nice to him and Mm. yada yada and this really serves as a counterpoint to the whole your best friend can can become your soulmate I feel like they're they're fair and balanced then yeah yeah this is all no confusion whatsoever there's a throwaway joke in this part where dad's like I bet you still can't get a date talking about college which is probably supposed to be like a throwaway laugh line. But in this context where Kim is so worried about not being able to get a date, Mm -hmm. it feels important 
Like, it doesn't matter what you've achieved on either side of the hero-villain spectrum. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. no one will fuck you, go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Draken has uh, achieved a lot. He's he, yes. he's very powerful. <laughs> yeah, true. And Dad's like, but I guess you can't get a date. And I'm like, yeah. come on, Dad, you're better than that. You know yeah, what, yeah. You're yeah. fucking yeah. better than that. Yeah. I'm going to subscribe to your theory that evil geniuses don't need a girl to be successful. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're right. You've won. Dr. No. Thank you. Way to go. <laughs> Dr. No. Way to go. <laughs> go, Goldfinger, you're doing fine. Uh, they can't all be fun puns, guys. I haven't thought about this ahead of time. No. Whoa, looks like we can't shut the fuck up. <laughs> we have run out of time, and we have so much more to say about Kim Possible. Yep. And so we will be back next week with the second half of our discussion. And Mary, we hope you'll be there with us. I hope so, too. Uh, get that scheduled. <laughs> Figure it out now. <laughs> so we'll see you next time on Hugging and Learning. We'll keep talking about uh, the Kim Possible movie. Bring snacks anyway. Bye. Yeah, bring snacks. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks.